got so much to discuss here as the college football playoff selection committee decided to give us a top four that I always felt was going to be the way it went after Saturday. But what is still on the table for Georgia, for Texas Christian, for Tennessee, for Oregon? We're going to talk about it. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. college football show i am your host rj young thank you for watching on the fox sports app youtube or listening wherever you get your podcast and thank you to all of those who are doing it live with us on this very special tuesday night special why because off the rip we got to start with this this is the first time in the history of the college football playoff rankings that date back to 2014 that alabama and clemson are not among our top six teams in any of the rankings. Really interesting stuff. As you can see here on the screen, number one, Georgia. We always knew it was going to be Georgia after the way they dismantled Tennessee. It's really a question of just how much room is between Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU as we continue to play out games. It feels like all Georgia has to do is make it to the SEC championship game, and they are going to have a spot in the college football playoff just a matter of what the seating is going to look like. We saw what outstanding offense looks like from Tennessee, and then Georgia showed us that you still need defense to win championships, and that's why they are the defending champs looking to repeat. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan. I think we got to go with saying, hey, the game on November 26th is going to be beautiful. Now, I have also had Ohio State and Michigan at number three. As a matter of fact, you might look at the top four and say, yo, RJ, you had this too. Well, it wasn't really rocket science this year because we understand that Ohio State is a good football program. They're putting up at least 20 points in every game they have played for the last 70 games that they have played. And even when it doesn't feel like it's going well for them offensively, the defense has proven to be very stout. They're giving up just under 16 points per game in Jim Knowles' first year. It's about can you run the football if you're Ohio State? And that was something that proved difficult for them against Northwestern. Last week, what is it going to look like as we get closer and closer to them having to play what is a really balanced Michigan Wolverines football team? They run the ball really well with Blake Corum at tailback. Donovan Edwards comes in there as an explosive threat. J.J. McCarthy gives them an ability to throw the ball down the field and to move around the pocket when things break down. And then, quiet as it's kept, Jesse Minter is having an outstanding defensive first year at Michigan, too, with guys like Yabe Oki and Mike Morris holding down what we thought was going to be a defensive line that's going to go through a lot of change because they lost the first-round draft pick in Aiden Hutchinson. They lost a great talent in David Ajabo. And now we're talking about, yeah, they can absolutely put the clamps down on somebody they want to. And Michigan has proven to be quite the second-half football team of late. As a matter of fact, they have outscored their opponents 100-3 to since, like, October. It's been wild to see. But we're also looking at the team that doesn't necessarily start fast, and neither does Ohio State, right? You go down 17-14 to in Rutgers. We're going to remember 17-14 to in Rutgers, even if you end up winning that game 52-17. to Same thing can be said about Ohio State, who went down 7-0 for way too long against Northwestern. But either way, it feels like the winner of that game not just plays in the Big Ten Championship, but is probably the presumptive favorite to win the Big Ten title. In that way, we know that we're going to get a college football playoff selection from the Big Ten and the SEC, which leads me to number four, Texas Christian, who is undefeated with 
a bevy of ranked wins in a loaded Big 12. It is the toughest Big 12 that I can remember because 1 through 10, it's just stout. Even Iowa State is good, even if their record does not reflect that, and it would be very Texas Christian to go to Austin to beat a ranked Texas team and then somehow get past Baylor only to lose to Iowa State, a la 2011 Oklahoma State. All they had to do after beating Oklahoma and Bedlam was win against Iowa State, and they're going to play in the BCS National Championship game, and they came up short. So there is a lot of pressure on TCU to go perfect in this space because, frankly, we just don't give that much credence to the Big 12, and that's partly Oklahoma's fault. You keep putting them in that dunker spot at number four, and they keep getting dunked on, to which I've asked the question. I would be curious to hear your answer on the tweets or in the YouTube comments or wherever it is you can get at us on the number one college football show. Are you interested in seeing Georgia play Texas Christian at number four, or dare I say at number five, number six, Tennessee or Oregon? Because that's what it feels like we're heading toward. We might get a rematch of Tennessee versus Georgia, depending on how these conference championships play out, how many one-loss teams we have, how many two-loss teams we have holding conference championships. But Tennessee is very much in it. You're not out, which is another way of saying you're in at a time when Alabama is out. Think about that. We've never been able to say that, not just in the college football playoff rankings, but basically since Nick Saban became head coach at Alabama, it's not just been Alabama on top. It's that Tennessee hasn't been good at all. And now we're really looking at Tennessee as being one of the four best teams in college football. If TCU or Michigan or Ohio State slips, it's like that. Good on you, Tennessee. Continue to fight. Continue to play hard. See where you end up come election Sunday. And then number six, Oregon. A one-loss Pac-12 champion probably doesn't get in if we're keeping this chalk, as you can see with that number six ranking. But I also think this is interesting in that Oregon needs USC to remain undefeated till they got to play in the Pac-12 championship game. And then you got to beat USC. You are huge USC fans if you are Oregon Ducks because that strengthens your resume. And it's really difficult for us to forget that you got beat by 46 in Atlanta by the defending national champs, especially as Oregon is averaging 43 points per game this season. And that's with only scoring three against Georgia. But again, it ain't about can you score. It's about can you stop people from scoring. A couple other things that I want to go over here while we are talking about TCU and the Pac-12 basically battling out for what we think is going to be one of that one of those last two spots. But it's not just that Oregon fans should be fans of USC. It's also that you got to be fans of UCLA because you would love for that the winner of that game to be the one lost team that you got to play in the Pac-12 championship. And you already know what you can do against the rest of the Pac-12. That's also a dig at the Pac-12, right? Now, at number 25, we got Washington. I didn't rank Washington this week because I didn't want to rank them only to see them get beat by Oregon in Austin. I just don't feel like the Ducks are going to give up anything against the Huskies and Kalen DeBoer in their first year. Although, it's a great opportunity for me to remind you that Kalen DeBoer and Dan Lanning and, my goodness, all over the Pac-12, we had great first-year outings. USC's Lincoln Riley over there, Jake Dickert at Wazoo, they're absolutely coaching their behinds off, even though I watched all this game because I'm your college football dude, and I love college football, and I like to be informed about what I'm talking about. So I watched Cal USC. And Cal was in that game late and too late if you are a USC fan because, once again, as my man Jeff Schwartz points out every time we talk, USC plays, hey, we're just going to take the ball from you a couple of times and then we're going to win by a touchdown or two as we give up a monumental amount of offensive yardage to whomever it is that we play, and that's just not a good look. I wonder about their ranking when we talk about the top 25 because, well, 
I don't always believe that folks are watching Pac-12 football in the way that they should be because Oregon has had to benefit, quite frankly, of playing in the day windows when USC has not. And I think that's going to play out as we get closer and closer to crowning a champion among these conferences. Also going into this weekend, we're going to be watching Texas versus Texas Christian. If Texas Christian could somehow beat Texas by three touchdowns, does that change our opinion of how good they are? Do they stay in the top four? Of course they do, but do they stay there in a way which we think, okay, cool, there's a little bit of distance between TCU, Tennessee, and maybe even in Oregon. Like, we're looking at the top 25 here on the screen now, and I just am implored by the committee's real discipline here because I thought for for real they were going to rank LSU ahead of Oregon. They didn't do that. I thought they were going to rank Clemson ahead of USC. They didn't do that. The only thing that I think that I'm going to touch on this very quickly is they left out a one-loss Liberty, for which I think Liberty's going, hey, what else do we have to do except go down to Arkansas and beat somebody? And we did that. But then you got Florida State at 23, 6-3. I think they're ranked because, well, LSU beat Alabama, and Florida State played LSU to the wire. So you're giving them a ranking based off of a close loss. I'll allow it. Central Florida's got to play Tulane. That's going to be what we think is going to be the second spot in the American Championship game. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then Illinois. I'm watching Illinois very closely here because Illinois is going to tell us a lot about what's going to happen in the Big Ten, okay? As I see it, the Big Ten championship right now would be Ohio State-Michigan versus Illinois. But you look at the schedule, you'll see that Michigan gets to play Illinois in the regular season. So let's assume Michigan loses that game to Illinois. What does that do to the Big Ten West? Couldn't tell you. Does it strengthen the Big Ten's argument for having a second team in, perhaps, in the uh, college football playoff. And what does that look like, right? Is this a year for which we get two SEC teams into the playoff? I don't think so, because I do truly believe that if right now it would be LSU with two losses, right? We've never seen the college football playoff committee stoop so low as to pick a two-loss team when there are other good one-loss teams around. What I'm saying is there's still a lot of football left to be played here, but as we talk about getting closer to solidifying what we think of as the New Year's Six Bowl teams, the only argument that I'm having right now is which one of those at-large bids is going to go to the American, right? Or is it going to go to that independent that is Liberty? And then you're looking at perhaps what does it mean that we have an SC with one loss and Alabama with two losses for the first time since 2010 before Thanksgiving, right? Uh, and that we have a Clemson team that could foreseeably win the ACC championship game. Do they vault back up with that? North Carolina, you got to be rooting for Clemson to take it all the way up to you and have people forget about losing to Notre Dame, though Notre Dame is ranked here. I didn't rank them, but, you know, I didn't rank Florida State. Whatever it is, it's fine. I'm wondering, can the ACC still play its way into the college football playoffs. It's very interesting to see. It's a very interesting question to ask. I think it's possible, but I think you need the Pac-12 to once again implode, as they did in the month of October, deciding to get rid of all their undefeated teams before we even get to the playoff selection committee's rankings. You also could do with TCU taking an L. Now, that is also really, really interesting because we've seen TCU be in what is somewhat of a debate 2014, should they make the playoff? They don't make the playoff. It ends the way it ends for them. But they're going to have to do what Cincinnati did last year. They're just going to have to run the table. And if you really want to be in the dunker spot, go right ahead, right? I'm not saying that you should turn down any college football playoff selection appearance, but goodness me, that Georgia football team is just not any fun. 
And I'm saying that's an Oklahoma fan that thought that, you know, we're going to be pretty good against LSU. I was wrong, sir. I was very wrong. Thought we're going to be pretty good against Alabama. I was wrong, sir. I was very wrong. I'm saying, show some more. Do you have any more in the tank? Do you have something else other than Max Dugan being able to duke it out late in games? Like, that's the other part that really bothers me about this team is you need them to sun the Big 12 for us to believe in them. But right now, they are the best of the four teams. And for the second year, it feels like in a row, the college football playoff has not really needed to be here as much as I hate to say that. We know who the best team in college football is, but I still would like to see a tournament. I still would like to see a Cinderella team make its way toward perhaps playing for a national championship or at least making it interesting. And we'll get, you know, in a couple of years, we'll be talking about on-campus playoff games, and that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting to see if Georgia can keep that momentum through perhaps a 16-game schedule as opposed to just a 15-game schedule or even a 17-game schedule. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm also quietly paying attention to the Wolfpack there at 19, who has apparently been able to stay in this thing without their starting quarterback in Devin Leary, but the defense has just been that stout. And I feel that if they were playing the SEC, we would probably be talking more about the North Carolina State Wolfpack because of their defense, and we like defense in the SEC. We like defense in our playoff rankings. So there's lots of moving and shaking to go on here, and I'm really excited to continue to see where this goes especially as we're getting closer and closer to being able to crown individuals for their individual achievements. But I'm thinking Heisman Trophy, of course, but the Bed and Eric Award, the Buckus Award. Who are the players that are going to show up in big-time situations to take over games? And Rivalry Week is going to tell us so much about these teams, uh, notably Ohio State and Michigan, but also, my goodness, uh, I can't wait to see LSU A&M. A&M might actually get it together to be able to play spoiler for them, and what does that look like? And then... Oregon, Oregon State ought to be a very good football game. And I thought that Oregon State would be ranked, but they took an L to Washington last week and Washington's got their spot. All right, that is going to do it for this live episode of the number one college football show. Be sure to join us on our spaces with Jeff Schwartz. If not, you can catch that podcast on Wednesday. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Kyle Holly. That is Gabe Gross-Sable on the live stream switches for us tonight. That is my, or I should say our social media maven, Javion Duncan. Our lead of screening is Rachel Cohn. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all probably in a couple of minutes. If not, I'll see you in the morning. Doses.